December 26, 2021. We're continuing in Nefesh Ahayim and Sha'ar Dalid. We're up now to Perik Yotet in the blue books. It's page 721. Of course, Nefesh Ahayim is in the midst of describing a person who's Osek Torah, perhaps beyond just being Osek Torah, immersing himself or herself in Torah. They're immersed to the extent that they're doing it lishma, as he already began to return to that concept in Perik Yotchet. He began discussion of that at the beginning of Sha'ar Dalid. And he's describing all of the ma'alot, all of the virtues, all of the uh, ascensions that a person in such a circumstance is able to achieve. And so here he goes, continuing that and going even beyond what he described in the earlier Perakim, which were quite wondrous. He says over here, V'shem Hashem Nikra Alav, a person who's appropriately involved in Torah, the name of God is called upon him. We'll have to figure out what that means. Of course, it poetically sounds beautiful. It says, after all, the Torah in its entirety is the names of God. Furthermore, sounds poetic in nature. Instead of citing as he will in the continued lines from Zohar, he begins over here with a citation from the Gemara and Masechet Berachot. And he very quickly pulls the wool over our eyes and makes us believe that this is Peshat in the Gemara. Well, let's read what uh, his interpretation is first. How do you know, as Shulchan Aruch tells us in Siman Memzaim, there's a Chova to say Birkota Torah before learning Torah, at the beginning of the day, we say it, we say, Asher Kisham Sotav we say, Al Divrei Torah, Ashkenazim say, La'asok B'Divrei Torah, and then we have Ha'arevna, and we have Asheba Halbanu. So how do you know that you're supposed to do so? Now, one of two interpretations to this Gemara, there's a mahlok about whether Bekota Torah are actually a mitzvah min ha-Torah or not. Ramban Nachmani reads this Gemara Kipshuto. Min ha-Torah, mamash min ha-Torah. Alternatively, you read this as an asmachta. Either way you have it, says the Gemara, what's the source, so to speak, or literally for Birkot Torah min ha-Torah, shene emar, as the Pasuk says, the very end of our Torah, ki shema Adonai ekra havu godel elohenu. So that's the source. The source is, because the name of God, I'll cry out, you should give godel, you should speak greatness or give greatness to our God. That's the Gemara Masech Berachot and Kaf Aleph. Now he's citing the Gemara perfectly. If you'll look for just a moment on the page in front of you, the, the supplementary sources. The Gemara begins with a, a, a question of Rav Yehuda. How do you know that you have to say Berkat Mazon? Of course, after eating bread. There it is. The interesting thing is, though, that Rashi, citing from the Gemara Masechet Yoma, which is a quite straightforward uh, citation, has a completely different interpretation to that Gemara than Nefesh Ahayim, which we'll return to in just a moment. Says Rashi, again, quoting from that Gemara, and Daphna Medzayin, Kesheba Moshe liftoch bedivre shira amalehem Israel. immediately prior to Parashat Ha'azinu, Moshe Kivyachol turns to Am Yisrael and says, Ani avarech tehila ve'atem anu acharai amen. I will begin you will in turn respond Amen. That which it says in the Pasuk, I will call out the name of God. That's the Beracha. Atem, you, Am Yisrael, Havu that's with responding Amen. Which means to say you have no reference, good morning, Ricky, which means you have no reference in this Gemara to the Torah being referred to as the Shem Hashem 
other than the Beracha, right? In other words, the reading of the Gemara, according to Rashi, according to the Gemara, goes like this. Kishem Hashem Ekra, I'm going to cry out the name of God. How are you crying out the name of God, Moshe? By saying Berkata Torah, you, you respond with the word Amen. That's how you read it. It has nothing to do with our conversation here in Nefesh HaChayim. Nefesh HaChayim, really preceded by Maharsha, have a very clever and creative reading to the Gemara. It's read differently. The Pasuk goes like this, Kishem Hashem Ekra, when I will call out the name of God equals Torah, Havugo Delelokenu, you have to say a Beracha beforehand. Which means to say, if you read the Gemara in such a fashion as Nefesh HaHayim is doing, it means the Torah is referred to as the Shem Hashem. It's the name of God. It's a fascinating and wondrous thing to be determining and describing something as the name of God. But that's the reading of this Gemara. V'chen lamdu, back in Nefesh HaHayim, it says, and so too, the hachamim and davav in Masechet Berachot have, she'ha'osek Torah shechina shiruya imo, a person who's studying Torah, who's immersed in Torah, the Shekhinah, the indwelling of God, is together with him. Dichtiv, as the Pasuk says at the end of Parashat Yitro, Bechol hamakom ashir azkir et shemi, Ravoy elecha uberachticha, and the Derashah is, place where my name will be mentioned, meaning you'll mention it through Torah, in turn I'll be mentioned, Ravoy elecha uberachticha, which means to say nefesh ha'chayim is, treading on the hard-to-understand waters. He's describing here the Torah and a person who's involved with the Torah is touching upon and speaking and immersing himself in the names of God. A few more sources along these lines and it's the entire chapter over here. Before we try to understand something over here, how much is the Torah beloved in front of God? Right? All places, any place, every place where words of Torah are heard, and all of his legions, they all listen to the words. And God, Kivyachol, comes to dwell amongst them. That's that same Pasuk, the Gimaranda Vav. It's referencing that Pasuk of God's dwelling through study of Torah. A person who follows the Misvot, the ways of the Torah, and uh, endeavors upon it. It's as if that person is endeavoring, is dealing with the name, the holy, sanctified name of God. After all, we learned, the Torah, Kula, Shema de Kuchabirichu. And the Torah in its entirety are the names or is the name of God. And any person who's studying Torah, who's immersing himself in Torah, it's as if they're immersing themselves in the name of God. The entirety of the Torah is one sanctified holy name. Shema It's an elevated name. Shema Kalil Kal Shemehon. It's a name which incorporates all the names of God. Uman At Had Minan. A person who in turn is missing or takes away one letter, one word from the Torah. Ki'ilu Avid Pigimuta Bishma Kadisha. It's as if they were pogim. It's as if they were causing a blemish to the name of God. Parashat Vayikra. More Zohar. It'd be Abba Patach Kolzot Ba'atnu Velo Shechach 
Shechcha Hanucha, Vela'anshinan Miluleh Oraitach, in reference in this Pasuk in Tehillim, we have not forgotten, we will not forget the words of your Torah, Mikan Olifna, we learn from here, Kolman Di'inashe Miluleh Oraita, any person who forgets words of Torah, Vela'ba'ele Mil'eba, Ki'il Winsheh Le'kutsha Berichud, Pasuk says, we have not forgotten you, the Darashah of the Hachamim, is what's a forgetfulness of God? Well, maybe it's becoming an atheist. Maybe it's Avod Azarah. No, it's forgetting Torah. I don't understand. What does forgetting Torah have to do with forgetting God? If not for the fact that whatever it means, but that's the statement, the entirety of the Torah is the name of God. V'sham daf yotet sof amudal v'teha oraita man dishtadel ba mitatera bi'itroi deshma kadisha. A person who involves himself in Torah, he is crowned with the name, the holy name of God. And Nefesh HaHayim before computers was able to locate and know and cite all the places in Zohar, or many of the places in Zohar, where there's a reference to the Torah being the name of God. By immersing himself in the name of God, he in turn will be uh, revealed or be revealed Reveal to him the Sodota Torah. Yes, Ralph. Apparently, these are names that we a wouldn't come up with ourselves. I will go further. Would not. I'll go further. We don't even know them. That's the reference. The reference is these are concealed names of gods of God, excuse me, which are all found through the words of Torah to cite on our source sheet in front of us from Ramban, Rabbi Moshe ben Nachman's introduction to the Torah in, uh, well, he's got many Kabbalistic and uh, mystical portions in his commentary to the Torah, but here at the very onset in his Hakdama to the Perush, he says, Od yesh Kabbalah in source number three, Shel Emet, we have a truthful meaning of Sod, meaning of, of, of Kabbalah, a tradition, the entirety of the Torah is the, are the names, is the names of God. says you can split up the letters of the Torah in order to create different meanings. For example, he says, the Pasuk Bereshit, you can split it into different words. Kigon, for example, Berosh Yitbera Elohim. Instead of Bereshit Bara Elohim, it can be read as Berosh Yitbera Elohim. Okay, we can discuss another time theologically, philosophically, what that breakup would be. But fundamentally, what Ramban is already describing is the Torah as we have it broken up into separate words and sentences, well, that's one iteration of Torah. The Torah, if it's the names of God, so to speak, it can and should and would be broken up into all sorts of different schema and interpretations. Now, that, of course, might lead to difficult understandings. This particular description of Berosh Yitbera Elohim could leave, lead one someone askew. There have been those who have written against Ramban, against Kabbalah, because of specifically this line. There's a hard line to understand. Berosh Yitbera Elohim. It's almost reflexive. If you understand it in its most literal sense, it'll lead you off. But fundamentally, most basically, what Ramban, what Zohar, what Nefesh HaChayim are describing to us is in some way encapsulated in every letter from the Beit of Bereshit until the Lamed of Yisrael in the Torah Kula, 
that is the names of God. Again, a word or words that we need to define, we'll come closer to defining them, but at the very least, it means there's almost infinite expressions. If you're describing the essence of God, infinite expressions. Yes, Ricky? So you think that this helps with like the dark scene where you scramble around the letters and you say they have the same ones and the values, whatever you want to do with it, but if it's in a particular order where it's specifically the names of God and connect the words in different ways, then how can you say, oh, like, you scramble around the same letter as you can? They're in the defined order. What, switching around the names? This will not help you in those sorts of uh, midrashim. I don't know which ones you're referring to. Maybe bihibare am Avraham. That's the only one I can think of that does that. Generally speaking, the midrashim are reading the words straight, are they not? But you're 100% correct. This is, and we'll see it in Radvaz in source number four, very much tethered to the absolute order of the Torah. That there's a problem if you have any other order for this reason. Yes, right. How so? Yes, right. So what's the problem? No. All right. Continues Ramban. I don't know. Venera continues Ramban. Yeah, I'm. I'm it certainly does. It sounds like heresy, and it is heresy. Um, well, certainly the Mishnah in Pirkei Avot, Masechet Avot, says that a person shocheach davare had Mishnah to is mitayev benavshos hayav mitah. However, the Mishnah and the Mefarshim are very clear. That's a person who is neglectful, not that heke you forgot. But if you're neglectful in your Torah, if you've distracted yourself to the extent that you've now forgotten. Oh, that's right, you've been pogim. Whatever this means, if we're describing the essence of God through the Torah, which we'll have to define a little bit further, sharpen it a little bit, then you kind of understand. If you're touching on truth, if you're touching truth itself, and then you forgot it, or then you skew it, that's right, you're dealing with almost heresy. continues Ramban, it's in Talmud Yerushalmi, that the Torah is written black fire on white fire. He says, you want to know what that means? That the Torah is resufa, which means there's no spaces. It's just letter after letter. And the Torah in turn could have been and can be read in one of two ways. Either as we read it, the mitzvot, the stories in the Torah, or alternatively, the names of God. Uh, we don't know how to read it as the names of God, at least I don't. But what we do know how to read is the way Moshe gave it to us, split up into separate words. But that means that as you're reading those words, you're essentially still reading Shemotav Baruch Hu. So you have one iteration, one interpretation to it, but there are almost infinite expressions to it because you're dealing with the names of God. Just one more uh, halachic manifestation of this. Radvaz, Rabbi David Ben Zimra, here in source number four, in Sheilot Tushbot Radvaz, Chelek Gimal, he was asked the following, Sha'alta mimeni odi'acha da'ati, 
למה אין כותבים הנקודה בספר תורה? כיוון שהכל נתן למשה רבנו עליו השלום בסיני, וגם הטעמים היו ראויים שיכתבו אותם כדי שיקרא הקורא קריאה ישרה בלי שיבוש. Accepting that the way that we read the Torah is given at Sinai, if we are to accept that, as many do, as the Gemara in its most simple interpretation in Masechin Nidarim renders forth for us, well, that being the case, how come the Torah, if you've ever gotten an Aliyah, if you've ever read from the Torah, doesn't have the Ta'amim, doesn't have the Nekudot, it would help a lot. You'll interpret the words in the Pesukim through Pesuk Ta'amim, and as a result, we'll have it already written out, so we should make the Sofer have a little bit of a harder job, but put in the Ta'amim, put in the Nekudot. Answers Radvaz based on the Gemara and Masechet Shabbat, the Midrash. The Midrash has, we've mentioned this on many occasions, how the angels come to God prior to the reception of the Torah by Am Yisrael and say, Mayenosh kitiskirenu, ben Adam kitifkidenu. Why are you giving the Torah to Bnei Adam? You give it to us instead. And of course, Moshe has to respond and defend by saying all of these misvot and Torah are irrelevant to you. Internally speaking in this Midrash, what was the Hava Amina? What was the possible claim of the Malachim? Of course they're not relevant to mitzvot. Of course they don't have parents and they don't have lotinaf, lotisach, lotikrov, and so on and so forth. What kind of claim is that? Says Radvaz here in the third paragraph. It's such a simple answer. I know the Midrash is there in order to uh, give us some sort of uh, didactic lesson. In other words, it's supposed to get across a message to us. But uh, the storyline has to make sense as true in the Midrash. What should you say? It says the angels, as the Gemara is describing, would have received the Torah and had an angelic Torah. And it would have been read as Shemotav Shel HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which means to say it would have read completely differently on a completely different realm and domain and perception level. Ahashi Adat Azei says in the next paragraph, Tavin She'elatcha, Ki Siva Ha'el Yit'ala Sheikhtivu Atza Torah Belo Nekudot Ta'amim Kasher Ha'yeta Be'omna Uto Yitbarach Kedesh Yehuba Shetekeriot God wanted two dimensions to the Torah. He wanted the Ruhanit with the Gashmit. He wants us to have the Gashmi interpretation of Torah. Of course, Gashmi, which interprets which leads us to Ruhani, but also the absolute supernal, spiritual interpretation. So that a person who's able to achieve, will achieve. He cites the Midrash. Knew how to combine letters with which the heavens and earth were created. And that is how he was able to craft appropriately the Mishkan. What does that mean? What are the rabbis touching on? They're touching on a deeper and, and and, and, and a greater depth of, le- of understanding of Torah that is there because you don't have Pisuk Ta'amim, because you don't have Nikudot. He concludes in the last paragraph, as as a result, you can have all sorts of opposite and different sorts of interpretations to the letters without nekudot. Of course, as Ricky mentioned earlier, Ramban in source number three therefore states that a Sefer Torah which is missing even a Vav in other words, it says Diberot, but it doesn't say it with a Vav, and it's supposed to say it with a Vav, or, or alternatively, it's supposed to say it without a Vav, and it says it with a Vav. But what difference does it make? I can read it the same way. It's Pasul. Why is it Pasul? Because you're touching on not only a storyline, not just a book of law, 
but rather Shemotav Shel HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Well, that's what Nefesh HaChayim is describing. A person who taps into this dimension of Torah is tapping into God Himself. Well, that being the case, again, what I've, I think, laid forth, Nefesh HaChayim, Zohar, Ramban, Nachmani, have laid forth for us is some sort of description. It sounds poetic at best. It sounds like something we can dream of. I'm touching on, I'm describing, I'm understanding the names of God. In fact, in terms of that difficulty of understanding, he's not writing it critically, he's more just watching and understanding it. Gershom Sholem, who is a famous scholar of Kabbalah, here in source number five in his book, Kabbalah and its Symbolism, he writes in conclusion, and it's a full, full chapter that he has on this issue, different midrashim and different statements uh, along these lines of the Torah being Shemotav Shalakadosh Baruch. Listen to his words, it should be said that this conception of Torah as a fabric woven of names provided no contribution to concrete exegesis. Exegesis refers to interpretation. You can't interpret the Torah better. Uh, what are you interpreting? You're just telling me it's the names of God. What understanding do I have? Well, not. What's that? The Mekubalim who interpret the Torah as being Shemotav Shalakadosh Baruch Hu, who state that. The, 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 the angel's version doesn't help me understand the Torah better. He says, it was rather a purely mystical principle intended to remove the Torah from all human insight into its specific meanings, which are, after all, the sole concern of exegesis. When I interpret the Torah, I'm trying to understand it on my level. When I say that I can't understand it, it's the names of God, I'm removing it from that. But this did not trouble the Kabbalists. To them, the fact that God expressed himself, even if his utterance is far beyond human insight, is far more important than any specific meaning that might be conveyed. You see, what he's getting across is for the Mekubalim, and you might understand this on a psychological level, to accept Torah as embodying more than I could understand is not removing it from me, but is rather transforming it in terms of its connection to me. So consider the Torah is an absolute and has primacy over all human interpretations, which, however deep they may penetrate, as great as you're going to interpret the Torah, can only approximate the absolute meaninglessness of the divine revelation. The ir irony is clear, it's palpable. The Torah is, quote-unquote, meaningless, and that's the greatest level of depth you're going to get in the Torah. When you get to the point where you say, my own interpretations aren't the true interpretation. They're an interpretation. They're a true interpretation. But the further interpretation, a greater level of depth, is one which is meaningless to a human being. Well, you've now understood what it means that the Torah Shemotav Kadosh Baruch There are further, in my mind, halachic ramifications as well. For example, it's a well-known statement here in source number six of Shulchan Aruch Der Bizalman. Bizalman, of course, was the Alter Rebbe of Chabad. This is codified. Many of the Sephardic poskim and Ashkenazic poskim alike all cite this. Again, Abraham has it separately that when you study Torah Shibichtav in contrast to Torah Shbalpeh, you read Hamisha Chumshe Torah during the summer, we discuss Nevim and Ketubim as well. There's a Mahloket Aharonim on that matter. But when it comes to Hamisha Chumshe Torah at the very least, and you don't understand it, as I've told you on many occasions as a child in the annex of Sha'ar Esyon when it was just built, I remember when it was just built, I remember walking in there, was the rabbi's son, I was supposed to look learn it so I would take books off the shelf open them up and just read the words and listen to the people around me marvel at how the rabbi's son who's maybe eight years old is reading but I didn't have a clue what I was reading was I fulfilling anything certainly not because I was reading from Gemara and Mishnah no idea just literally 
If it was Hamishah Chumshet Torah, the statement is, you fulfilled a mitzvah of Talmud Torah. What are you talking about? That's still nonsense. I'm, I'm, I'm asking it incredulously. Ralph, before you get angry, it's incredulous. I'm not asking it for real. That's crazy. How are you fulfilling anything with Torah without understanding? I wonder though, I wonder though if it's because when you tap into Torah Shebikhtav without an understanding, you're touching on Shemotav Shalakadosh Baruch Hu. It's another dimension. We, none of us, have a true understanding of Torah Shebikhtav. So you have one interpretation, he has another interpretation. Ultimately speaking, we're touching on some concept of Shemotav, the essence of God, which is somehow in an imperceptible fashion included and inculcated and encapsulated by this document in front of me. Well then, if I haven't understood it, I'm at the very least touching on that. Rabbi Soloveitchik makes this point in his uh, Yardzai Shiurim as well, in Shiurim Lezecher Abamari, Helek Aleph on page Kufsamech Aleph here in source number seven. He says that a study of Torah, even without an understanding, Gam Kazo Hanefesh Mitromemet. Your soul is elevated. Why would my soul be elevated? I don't understand a thing because you're touching on sanctity itself. You are touching on an essence of truth. You're touching on Kiddush HaGavra al yedeh Tihur HaIshiyut. The Kiddush HaGavra refers to the sanctity of the individual. al yedeh by Tihur Milashon Tahara, purifying HaIshiyut, your personality. Vihit Aluta L'Darga Enozakuk Lelimud. You don't need to study. Think about it as a relationship. Do I need to in a perfect circumstance, share words with my spouse or my best friend in order to bond and commune with them. I don't. I can just be. We can just be with one another and we can understand one another in a way that words could and will never express. That is the ability to do that through even Torah Shbikhtav without a proper Havana. And what better way to connect somebody by knowing their name? That's why when he wins. So now, so now, the yeah, name. It's a shame, it's a shame you were in Sha'ad Yon on Shabbat. I talked about names in the morning. That's an interesting point. I would, I would have to disagree with you because I will tell you that HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this past week's parasha said Shabbat. differently to Moshe. I, I, I know, Musa, I'm telling you, I talked about it on Shabbat morning, you missed it. But um, it, uh, yes, Shemot, but better, better than, better than Shemot. I will very briefly tell you what happens okay. in Shemot. Then I will very briefly tell you what happens in Shemot and the part I want to focus on most. Very briefly what happens in Shemot is it starts three sentences about names. And then all of a sudden there's anonymity which reigns. So you have lots of names. Ele Shemot for then all of a sudden, where'd everyone go? There are no names. What are their names? And then you have his sister. It doesn't say that. It only tells me what happened to the names. And even Shifran Pu'a. Say Rashi, say the Hachamim, it's not their true names. So we have no names. What happened to all the names? And only in Parashat Va'era, as Moshe, who Moshe Ve'aron, him Hamidabberim, as they're finally coming to get Am Yisrael out, pause at the beginning of Aliyatri, at the end of Aliyatri Shon, and next week, this coming week's parasha, Ele Rashi Betavotam, Bene Reuven, and so forth. Now we got names. 
which means to say names were lost to a generation of slavery. When you're a slave, you lack an identity. You don't have a self-expression. You have no individuality. Who are you? You're a slave. You're a slave for your master. You can't acquire on your own because you're a nothing on your own. You're a number at best. They achieve names as they become free. As Moshe, so that was the message in the speech. That was the message in the speech. It was perhaps one of the several things they kept. It doesn't mean anything in the scheme of what I'm discussing. In other words, it's one of the things they kept, which means they kept in some way, one second, it kept some sort of self-identity, but ultimately speaking, they were nothing. So you internally kept yourself alive because you knew who you were, because you still called yourself Yosef as opposed to, I don't know, but he did call himself, but whatever. Anyway, but what I'm saying is ultimately speaking, what the text is saying, they lost a certain self-identity. That being the case, as Moshe, and here's the critical line for us, is about to enter back into Egypt. He turns to God and he says to him in source number eight, Let's play this out, God, all right? I'm on my way. I'm going to come to Bnei Israel. I'm going to say to them, The God of your forefathers sent me. They'll say to me, They'll say, what's his name? Interpreted as, what's his essence? What should I say to them? Uh, loosely translated as, I will be what I will be. I will be sent you. Well, what sort of answer is that? I'll take a look at, at two interpretations, both touching on the same point for a moment. And, and firstly, in, in source number nine, this is a book by Leon Kass. Leon Kass is an important thinker, a Jewish thinker as well, uh, from the Chicago, University of Chicago. He wrote several books. He wrote one book on Bereshit, which is a very popular book. Most recently, he wrote this book on Shemot called Founding God's Nation. To seek the name, he writes on page 70 of something, is part of an effort to know not only its who, but also it's what. I don't just want to know who you are. I don't know who, what you are. You tell me your name. You tell me what you are. You tell me what you stand for. You're telling me your heritage. You're telling me much more than just your name, Heke, who you are. To Who you are, you could tell me what you work you as. To grasp its being, to know its essence, both in itself and its relationship to us. To know its name is an avenue of access and thereby of a modicum of control. Okay, skip a few pages. The first expression, occurs nowhere else in the Torah. And it is heard, therefore, only by Moshe, and by us, of course. On its face, it appears to be a deliberate non-answer to the request for a name. Moshe asks him, what's your name? He doesn't give a name, I'll be. A rejection of the question. Nothing like a definite name that reveals an essence or gives rest to thought. It is instead an enigma. True, the inexpressible character of an unbounded and ineffable divine, how could God provide a name? Yet Moshe and we can perhaps learn something about God from these enigmatic words. There's a reason it's in the Torah. If God's words to Moshe were Balash uh, Daushabah, were uh, Scott, I don't know why those are in there. They're teaching us something. As already noted, is the first person singular verb to be. Haya is the imperfect. In bad English, I am being or I will be. Therefore suggests something not only incomplete and unlimited, but also ongoing, progressing, free and unpredictable, not static, but acting in time. God's response of I will be what I'll be is noble, therefore, only through watching its deeds and words. Ask not my name, 
just see what I do. So God's response to Moshe is, I can't give you a philosophy lesson on who I am. No such thing. You can't grasp my essence. You want to know the best you'll come at understanding me? Just stay tuned. Watch things develop. So to speak, and it's very important, God is expressed through time as we see it. In other words, we can only understand God by envisioning him through the world. You can't in any way without a manifestation in this world which will develop in front of our eyes understand God. If this very limited analysis is correct, Moshe and we acquire an immensely important and revolutionary insight about how human beings should approach the deity. Knowledge of God or relationship to God should be pursued not through inquisitive speech or philosophical speculation, fruitlessly seeking the essence. Man say, let's sit back. You'll never understand in such a fashion, but through attending to God's commands and his deeds to what God will be in time. Pay attention to his misvot. Pay attention to the history of the world. We should redirect our desire to know God away from philosophy and theology, speech about God, and attend instead to what he reveals himself in history, to what he says to and does for human beings, which means to say in our words, if you want to find the name of God, open the Torah. Look at the world around you. You won't be able to find the names of God, the name of God in any other way. But wait a second, I open the Torah, I look at the world and I don't actually understand it. But you glean something, you felt the presence. You were able to touch on sanctity in a way which could not and will not be expressed in speech. To talk about the essence of a human being is hard enough with a name. To talk about God through a name, it's the same description Rabbi Soloveitchik has in his book, and from there you shall seek. It's, uh, the religious sensibility does not offer decisive proofs, draw inferences, or make deductions. It senses and experiences God in its innermost ontological Ontological consciousness. Ontological means essence. Without him, there is no reality. The description is taste it, experience it. Dr. Danny, the answer is to find God means to touch on his essence in real time. The way you touch on his essence in real time is through Torah, is through the world around you. Just as someone who sees a tree does not deduce indirectly that there are roots under the ground, for in the very perception of the trunk there is knowledge of the roots so too man has no need to draw conclusions about God for he knows God directly through the world I don't need to do the biological research to understand you I speak to you I have conversations with you I experience life together with you uh, lift your eyes and see this is the Pasuk in Yeshaya or the rabbinic statement that's of course about Abraham Avino there cannot be an illuminated castle without an owner or a leader are not meant to refer to abstract logical proofs or complicated demonstrations look up experience open Torah on the contrary they refer to the immediate awareness that overcomes man who sees God in the innermost essence of the world as well as in its surroundings in short what I'm describing when I'm setting forth for you as I believe the Mekubalim have in mind as well as Nefesh HaHayim is describing is to touch on and to in any way speak the names of God means to 
Study Torah and touch Torah, feel Torah, experience Torah. It means to live life with a conscious eye, with one which is perceiving matters which could not and will not be expressed in simple words and terminology. So we began the class with Nefesh HaHayim saying, if you study Torah appropriately, so then you're studying Torah and touching on the names of God. Oh, what type of ridiculousness is that? How can you understand that? Ramban Nachmani is a haktamat to the Torah. Fantastic, I get the halachic ramifications. Radvaz and his I understand all that, but what are we talking about ultimately speaking? The answer is Mashimcha, uh, what's your name? I can't tell you what my name is. What do you mean you can't tell me what your name is? Well, that description was one in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to us there's no philosophical interpretation here. The only way you'll understand me is ta'amuru, is through expression in the world, and in our words, whose speech? The speech of the Torah. Through expression in the world, and expression in the Torah. It means shemotav shel HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which we'll make out in one way, in our lowly domain, with our own speech, we'll make out bereshit bara but what you're truly touching on in Torah is shemotav shel HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as I mentioned earlier, in a relationship which has an added dimension of of depth, speech, Musa, is not necessary. If you're truly in tune with another being, you'll understand that my speech, the Pasuk says, it's a Gemara Masech Berachot Rambam, very much portrays this in Moreh Nebuchim, the highest level, and don't try, well, try for it, but don't actually arrive there, of, of Tefillah, says Rambam, Matarari Shona, is the way he describes it, is meditative, is one in which you're so much in touch with him, with a capital H, that words will be confining to your expression of his greatness. It's for that reason you can't speak about him more than hakel hagadol hagibor vahanora kel elyon. You can't speak about him more because you can't encapsulate him in those words. The Nevi'im gave us those words. We accept those words. But ultimately speaking, to truly arrive at a relationship with, quote, the essence, with Shemotav Shela Kadosh Baruch Hu means to part ways with words, to immerse in Torah, even on a level that at times will be confounding, to understand them through his acts, through his words, in Torah, through his expression in the world. Baruch Adonai Amen, Amen.